Okay. All right. Uh, hello and welcome to the return or like the podcast strikes back or something. Because <laughs> apparently we took way too long to um, <laughs> to do the, the other one. So this is the return part yeah, two. What, what excuses do we have even? What's a good excuse uh, we can I, come I up with? I think we can say Corona. But it's not, it's not a personal excuse, yeah. but like everyone of... uses that excuse now, now, so we're gonna use it as well. Yeah. <laughs> we're bad. Yeah. It's, uh, this is the return of the podcast and rise of podcasts. And, and yes. It's the last one you'll hear probably in a couple of yeah. months. So enjoy it while you can. Uh, to, to avoid that, can we just promise to do... Like, what film should we do next? Promise to. We'll, we'll, we'll do Star Wars soon or <laughs> okay. something. We haven't done Star Wars yet, which is a tragedy. But, anyways... Of Dark Plagueis. <laughs> anyways, yeah. that. We have something really special for you guys tonight. We're actually gonna intro you Henrik Martin Dalsbakken, which is the Norwegian director who made recently An Affair, uh, which won, uh, was nominated for a couple of awards around the world and in Norway and uh, stars the really famous and renowned uh, actress Andrea Perrein-Hovik and stars also Tariq Sandvik Moe as Marcus. So the interview is gonna commence right, as right now, but before that, uh, we just want to have sort of like a warning. There is, we did the interview, uh, as it is an interview, like there's bound to be some audio trouble and all that because it's not it's not stage or anything it's live as it happens so if there is any audio inequalities and stuff like that uh we do apologize but with all our hearts right boys yeah we do apologize yes. uh, to the two viewers uh, uh, <laughs> listeners it hurts to say <laughs> We have we have to remove that just for Henry. I'm just so he, he, so he thinks he thinks it's a thriving community, but <laughs> other than that, uh, I hope you guys enjoy, and we'll be back for another podcast. Hopefully, not before like four months, so like sooner than that. <laughs> yeah, one time yeah. we'll probably get around yeah. to do one. We've got to do Star Wars. I mean, yeah. you guys are like huge fans. I, hey, can we quickly? Discuss the Mandalorian. Not now. And, I mean, what <laughs> do you guys think? We can't discuss it now. Don't get me started. All right. Mm. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Enjoy. Enjoy. Thank you. Enjoy. Goodbye. Har du lyst til å komme bort til meg i kveld? Er det du holder på med, Anita? We're, so, we're, we're sort of getting a little um, uh, starstruck a little bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah Hannes especially. Jeez, get a hold of yeah. yourself, man. Yeah, I, yeah. Need to, I, need to, I need to control myself here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, just welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. It was uh, I just finished watch, rewatching uh, an affair, and I really liked the film. I, I I I heard rumors that it was good, but also like there was some some comments saying regarding it was like a bit weak. But those comments can honestly go themselves. It was amazing. I really liked it. I uh, thought it was great. <laughs> I love the the story. Uh, just like the, and the, like the eerie vibe to the entire thing. It was very. Uh, it was a great, it's like one of the, the best Norwegian films I've seen yeah, when it comes to that. Very good to hear. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I just want to ask a little bit, just like, uh, how did you start by becoming a director and filmmaker as a whole? Just now? 
Well, I started making films when I was eight years old with my friends. Of course, it was like we made horror movies and more like com comedies and stuff. Uh, and then we started, or I started to be more serious when I started at high school. So uh, we made some short films that got recognition at festivals. And then we, nice. I got support from the Norwegian Film Institute when I was 21, I think, for another short film. Won some awards and stuff. And then they got, you know, you give get more money for the next film. So I just evolved kind of with my, you know, I never went to film, went to film school. So I, everything I, I made is, you know, because of the films I made. So, so it's, uh, I've never been better than my last film, I think. So, so I, I need to always uh, do better next time in a way. And, and, and a fair, I started working on that film in 2016, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I fell in love with the idea of making a, a, a like a forbidden relationship movie about an older woman and a younger guy. Yeah. Uh, people have asked me if it's you know something I've you know um, experienced maybe experienced myself. No, I haven't. <laughs> but uh, I think most men and women in the, those high school years have like fantasized about uh, maybe a teacher or you know grown mm. up. So, so it's kind of common, but it's 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 something else to go from that you know fascinating or that that fascination or go the next step and and yeah. like make it serious and how dangerous that can be you know especially for a teacher. So that was my first like my initial uh, idea, and then I went to the leading lady in the film, Andrea Brenhovig, and asked her if she wanted to do the role. Uh, I've always wanted to work with her and. If she had said no, I wouldn't do the. I would not have done the film. So it's because oh, yeah. of her I did the film because I said to her, "I want you to do this, and if you won't do it, I'm I'm not going to do the movie." So oh, wow. I did her away. Mm. Like, how was it to to work with like one of the? Because in my opinion, Andrea, she is um, like the biggest female actor in Norway or actress. And like, how like what were you a bit starstruck when you were able to work with her, or, how, or how, like have you been, had interactions with her beforehand or? Yeah, actually, I met her at like a, another. She she did a small feature film called Altevakre in Norwegian. Uh, mm -hmm. Full things, I guess, or something in, in English. <laughs> uh, you, and I went to a, a screening of that film, and then and because she was there to, or not because she was there, but because I knew the director and I wanted to see the film. And then we went to, to have some drinks after that. And then I, you know, I talked to her, and I understood that she wanted to work with me. So it was, you know. Mm. A great opportunity to just say to her, "I want to work with you." So yeah, mm. that's cool. Because uh, your first initial success was, uh, if I read correctly, was the f uh, film uh, "Returning Home," right? Yeah. Like, how was it like to receive? Was that like the first time you thought, like, um, "I can do this as a career thing"? Or uh... yeah, I think well, it started with uh, that film. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I had to. To think just how it started, but maybe that and, and also a film, a short film called The Devil's Ballroom, uh, which uh, also got you know a lot of awards. So it, it made it possible for me to to get funding for my first first feature film, and that film was very it was very special because it was kind of a personal film for me and my brother. My brother is my DOP, so we worked together. Oh, and, and uh, I think he was like twenty or 21 when they shot that film and I was 23 or 24 yeah oh, so yeah. we were both quite young so it was um, a very special we shot the film in 13 days so it mm -hmm. was just you know and it was yeah 
with a small crew. I think you were like seven or eight people behind the camera. Yeah. Only mm-hmm. four or five actors. So it was very small production, but it won uh, some awards. Nobody saw it in the, you know, nobody went to the cinemas to see it, but it got some recognition um, from, you know, festivals. So that helped to, yeah. to do the thing. Yeah. Mm. So um, when it comes to returning home, like, because uh, you have some pretty big names uh, in that one as well. You have uh, Inga Helge. There we go. How is it possible to like get in touch with such like big names at a very early career stage? Good question. I, I think it was, or as he said, it was because of the script, because he read the script before he met me. So he mm-hmm. didn't know that I was that young. Uh, mm-hmm. And he really liked the script. So that was why he wanted to do it because, you know, I was like nobody in a way. So, but <laughs> also we had, I remember we had a, we, we had a co- coffee and talked for, I think, three or four hours. So that's, yeah, also that mm. helped in a way because we discussed mm. the project and the character and everything. So kind of um, helped him say yes to the project in a way. Yeah. Mm. That's cool. You said uh, you didn't go to film school, right? So you're yeah. sort of like, are you, you're self-taught in a way, right? Yeah. So yeah. You're, you're sort of uh, uh, Norway's uh, George Lucas <laughs> in a sense, as he was sort of like an independent uh, filmmaker himself, like distances himself from Hollywood and all that. Is there like any sort of like... Um, not resentment, but like different in style or like, are you sort of still angry that you didn't go to film school or like, do you think you became a better filmmaker for, for it? Yeah, I think so. It, you know, every, everyone has to find their way into this business and, and most people went go to film school and I think, I think that's a good thing. But uh, for me, I think the right thing to do was not to go to film school because I, in a way I found my way of making films and my style in a way. Uh, yeah. And I don't think I made that many movies if I went to film school because you kind of learn at film school that you have to do this and this, like you have to follow these rules. But I have, yeah. I've never followed the rules, so I've done it my, <laughs> you know, my way, as Frank Sinatra would say. So <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good thing, and it's kind of you know, in the old days, nobody went to film school; they they learned the the craft themselves. So I think that's a good thing, and you know. I've worked with some many, many good actors and film workers, the film, you know, the film crews that I've worked with are very, very good in what they're doing. So I've learned a lot of from from working with with good sound designers and good editors and you know, good people by making films. And that's the best film school you can go to in a way. But it's, yeah. I must say, it's it's a very it's a it's a tricky way because it you have to have this, uh, you. You have to have to have this extreme, what's it called in English? Uh, Determinism. Determinism. Yeah, to do it. Yeah. Uh, it. It. You know. It's. I, I've never made any money from doing it, or until I made an affair. But <laughs> until then, <laughs> just like, uh, but it was like a more like a hobby. I just did it because I loved it that much. So, so yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, like, is it is it not until an affair you've sort of made it your full-time job yeah well i you know i was i did it before that but uh, i have never you know i i got money from writing scripts and doing development work and and stuff but uh that was not the first or and some some you know grants i got from the government and stuff but at the first and the short films i always got you know got the money from doing that but that was the first film i did that and you know a profit that earned money so yeah so sort of back to An Affair, which is the film uh, we're sort of discussing here. And uh, just the, the first thing 
I just want to sort of like, what is what is the message of the film? Sort of like in your words, like why did you make it? Like you said, you had an obsession with like, uh, like you had this like sort of uh, fantasy of this sort of like Romeo and Juliet sort of uh, uh, forbidden love thing. Yeah, yeah. Is 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 it because of of like it is a, a subject that's very commonly found? I think you know the the message is kind of. It's not like, of course, it's the message is don't do this or yeah, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> or, yeah, yeah, don't, don't fuck your students or, you know, that could be a message, but no, that's, that's, that's too shallow in a way, but. Uh, mm-hmm. um, don't send a dick pic to your teacher. <laughs> no, yeah. But it's kind of, you know, all we, we, we people do make mistakes and we have to pay for it in a way. And yeah. And it's also interesting because we, you you seldom see actors, actors or women characters that are these conflicted. Uh, Anita mm. in this movie, it's, it's kind of a it's kind of a unhealthy. It's not a, it's not she's not making any good choices in a way. But yeah. she's also interesting in a way that she is that you know lonely and she is like this bird, you know, um, captured in a in a cage. So. Yeah. I kind of mm-hmm. understand her, so it's she's she's you know, and I think it's, it's it was a good thing for her to do that mistake in a way because she got away from her you know husband and that was mm-hmm. good. For her, I think mm-hmm. uh, talked about what happens to Anita now at the end of the film uh, with the you know Andrea the actress and myself and mm-hmm. and maybe she went to Africa and, and worked with, you know, children, or maybe it's not children, but <laughs> worked with, worked with <laughs> and, uh, maybe she just got away from, from everything at, you know, that, you know, that mm. kind of society in Norway and at least that or high class society. So, mm. so, and I, so for me, myself, it was also interesting to, because I, I come from a middle class family as most Norwegians do, but they also kind of go into this high class society in Norway. Uh, mm-hmm. The very rich people in Norway, kind of, it's, it's interesting. Also from a visual perspective to to work with those spaces and with all yeah. the, you know, the the glass and everything. It's mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, it's it, it's a, a kind of a modern view on lonely people. It's it's a, like she's very lonely and mm-hmm. she needs help. <laughs> obviously, yeah, uh, yeah, Be- because like. Uh, I, I think I, I mentioned that we were going to do this interview with uh, some friends that had seen the film or like I think my mother who's not seen the film but she heard about it and she instantly were like oh you mean that like disgusting teacher or something like that and mm. and like that that phrasing is sort of like because um, when I, I I had the mindset of when I was going in to see this film that it's sort of uh, oh it's, it's her fault it's like it has to be her fault she's like a disgusting sort of person but like as you see it you sort of understand it you feel you you don't you don't feel like resentment or like angry towards her you feel more of a um a compassion in a sense like she's committing these mistakes but it's not her fault like her entire environment and surrounding is shown that like even in the very beginning of the film just visually i think you've done that like she's uh all alone in this like huge giant house with her husband uh, Hasse or something uh, on yeah. uh, always away doing business uh, she's like sort of trapped in this sort of where everyone has like a, a purpose and like everyone's like very high class but she herself is sort of like a middle class person she's not a lawyer she's nothing fancy she's at these like fancy dinner parties like she's a gym teacher so there's nothing too fancy there and even just like 
the opening shot is of is of her running, right? I think you each commented on that, like the first shot of her like running from something, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like she's all uh, alone. We see her back, and she's just like running from like something, like whatever it may be. Mm. Yeah. No, yeah, so, so, no, that's, yeah, that's yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just a question, because uh, so you said, was your brother also the DOP on this film, or uh, yeah, he was. So like, yeah. how did you sort of um, show that? Like, like it, how much of of uh, your input is in like in the, in the cinematography as a, as a director? Like, did you signify, Augie, I want the, the first shot to really show that she's like alone. Like the first yeah. part of the film is she's very alone. She's very, like the, the, the framing of everything is very eerie in a sense. Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. I I always kind of, I do the, the, not storyboards, but I do the shot list myself and then I present it to my brother and we discuss it. But I, I kind of, I work very precise when it comes to the images or the or at least the setups you're doing so so i'm i'm kind of like uh <laughs> not without any you know similarities but uh, martin scorsese also worked that way so you know, <laughs> <nice. laughs> yeah yeah he's dop like robert robert richardson and he says yeah i want to do this and this and this and then my brother or bob richardson they you know they solve it they do the lighting and they you know set up the cameras and everything and lay out the dolly and stuff so i, I don't know anything about you know lighting and stuff my brother is, is very good at that so i need him to to do all the work or the craftsmanship but i'm 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 doing all the the, the storyboarding so i when i'm writing the script or i'm you know doing the shot list i always think about editing at that so so at very very early stage i i plan the editing in a way Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, when it comes to the editing process, we 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 change things and we move scenes and stuff, and we cut scenes and you know everything. So, but it, at least there's some a very uh, distinct plan behind everything in a way. So yeah. So when it comes to the actors working on set with them, it's it's kind of because everything is so precise. Or I, I see, I, I I tell them I want to do this and this and this, and within that that space, I'm kind of creating they have a lot of freedom to do their thing. Mm-hmm. So and that, I think that's very, when you, when you work that, you know, precise in a way, when it comes to the visuals, it's very important to that the actors get the freedom to find their, you know, space within that room in a way. So mm-hmm. uh, that was, so I didn't say that much to Andrea uh, when it comes to to the director direction. She, she knew exactly what to do in a way because right. she spent nice. the whole summer uh, wrote uh, writing notes and, and and creating the characters. So so I just t- 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 I just told her where to go and then she you know <laughs> she, she sure just she nailed sure it. it. Yeah. Um, talk about the, the the beginning of the film because we only had twenty days to shoot the film and uh, not that much money. So when I mm-hmm. we said if I wanted to or if if I was going to do the film one more time, I would spend a bit more time to to. Um, describe or kind of live with Anita at the beginning before uh, Marcus makes his move. Yeah, the, the most you know the, the the thing I miss from the film, especially is is the, the beginning. We didn't have the t- I didn't have the time to shoot that, but I wanted to make maybe use five or six more minutes to just uh, under or just feel her loneliness. So maybe a dinner scene with more you know all the lawyers and maybe something else that describe mm. her uh, more. Because I, that, that's why I think some people 
don't understand the film because they don't understand or feel anything for Anita as yeah. we did. Mm. Yeah. And I think mm. because don't do that, you know. Or if you don't see the satire also, because I think the, the film can be quite funny some you know, some places it's kind of because oh, yeah. you know, so kind of edgy or some so on the edge it's it's uh it's a film you can you can laugh also in yeah some, yeah side. like it was it was yeah like because they had a very sort of like playful relationship and all and all that and yeah. and because Anita in in the film she she was a very likable character even though like uh, like you sort of felt pity for her but as you said like that uh, yeah I think a lot of people didn't get the first like the that she was sort of uh, an, an outsider in a sense mm-hmm. or like that so. There's a saying that, uh, that that filmmakers are never sort of happy with their films. Would you like agree to that to like to your film? Yeah, like, yeah. Absolutely. Mm. absolutely. You you sit in editing and you try to solve everything. And as I remember precisely that we that editor and myself we, we worked a lot of to 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 move as many scenes as possible to to beginning just to 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 get to know Anita as much as possible. But of course we missed some scenes there. Mm. Uh, you know, that's. Uh, <laughs> learning by doing in a way <laughs> yeah. yeah what about what about like reshoots uh did you guys have any time at all uh or did you consider it if i mean let's say you had the time would you do any reshoots yeah maybe yeah maybe we did some we did some like more stock shots and and also we did actually a bit where she the not the bit that she we did some some like some stock shots of, of her running in the beginning i think uh, later on but that was all because we didn't have the money mm. to do anything else. Yeah. Okay. Mm. And also Tarja, who replaced Marcus, he his hair was back, you know, and stuff. So. Uh. Oh yeah. yeah. True. True. Um. So like so basically, so you, you could sort of say that you sort of guess not made a mistake, but sort of like you you you, I think you made like thought thought that the audience. Uh, Essentially, were a bit smarter than they maybe a lot of them were in a sense. Like uh, maybe you forgot to sort of just implement that she was clearly alone. Like I think just like one more scene, as he says, as you say, would have very structured that. Like it, it is almost like I got it, but I had I had to think about it a little bit, and then I got it. Exactly. Mm. I think some people are yeah not old. But I know a lot of people like to film, but some don't. And it might also be that it's too. You know, too edgy in a way. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I exactly. I, th- I think that because people don't like the subject, that's why people would like rate it bad. Yeah, but but that's completely wrong. Like you can't rate a film because yeah, I don't like that subject. That makes me wrong. <laughs> I mean, it, you have yeah. to sort of look at it as sort of like a bias. Is it a good film or is it not a good film in a sense, right? And. It yeah. clearly is. It's not, it's not a bad film. It is a good film, but the story might be touchy. But like, so was I guess Schindler's List. Like, you can't say, "Oh, Schindler's List is a bad film." I don't like that Hitler did that. Why did I? <laughs> I don't want to watch that. So it sort of becomes that same. It's, it's the same mentality in a sense. And yeah. a lot of people make that mistake by merging bad film and a and a touchy or like a bad, not a bad story, but like uh, edgy story, as you say, sensitive. Story. Sensitive, sensitive. There yeah, we go. Yeah. But again, you know, talking about mistakes, I feel like you know, even though uh, you know, just considering all this, we just said, you know, you always, I feel like you always, as you said, Johannes, you're never really, you know, f- fully happy with your film because you always notice things, uh, you know, yeah. after like, oh, I could have done this, could have done that. But when you're making the film, I mean, I 
you're always doing your best and you know you, you've probably you've probably couldn't have done it better right there mm-hmm. because you know that's just part of the process i guess you know you'll you just never stop you're just never gonna stop learning mm-hmm. um and that's kind of the beauty of it absolutely it's, it's i think it's impossible to make a perfect movie and that's also why people continue to to, to make movies because they want to to do as to do their best or and also you know it's it's people have I, I hope to make my best movie when I'm 85 years old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but it is true. Like uh, that's that's that might be the best quote I've ever heard, uh, Henrik. The people can continue to make films because they want to be perfection. That's uh, that's very beautiful. <laughs> um, uh, sort of regarding the film a little bit, like just uh, um, on the technical side. So your brother was the director of photography. Did he not attend any like sort of courses or school for anything as well or did, or did he also learn a, on his own yeah we we went the same route so he followed me in a way because i started making films and then he with other dops and then he like started out as their camera assistant and then he became like a focus puller so and then he did some dolly grip and he did a different kind of you know crew positions so mm-hmm. then he, he his first film was the returning home so his first film ever was my first feature film, background thirty five mil, and he did you know all the yeah he was he's, he's a very he's a very good uh, cinematographer. Yeah. He's a very yeah. he was very good at that stage as well. No 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 because like uh, I haven't gotten around to seeing Returning Home. I just saw the trailer, but like some of the shots, I'm, uh, it's real. They're really beautiful. They're really like the first thing like when just when they're walking on the road you see like this truck drive past these two boys walking on the on home it's like oh man that's ah that's beautiful <laughs> that's uh, um but like how how old were, was he at the time of that and see, i think it was just before 21 so it was 20 years old holy <laughs> yeah yeah oh wow like us then <laughs> well, I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm yeah, not yeah, age like 40. <laughs> I'm about enough. to retire. <laughs> yeah. That's cool though. Like, film. <laughs> yeah. It's coming, it's coming. But it's yeah. cool, like, um, in terms of DRP and stuff like that, did you guys have inspirations, like, with directors and films where you saw those shots and um, you were like, okay, let's re- try to recreate that kind of thing? Because that's what we kind of tend to do sometimes. Like, oh, this that's a sh- really cool shot by Tarantino. Let's... Let's try yeah. to film that <laughs> or something. No, yeah. we discuss we discussed uh, directors and cinematographers and and yeah, we we watch other films like a reference, but we mostly mm-hmm. talk more about you know not precisely like like we don't want to copy any shots, but more like a style or a way to mm-hmm. do things or uh, you know how their how different directors view mm-hmm. things, you know. So uh, for an affair, we discussed obviously David Fincher, but also Prisoners, mm. Roger Deakins. Uh, mm. Yeah. So 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 that yeah. David Fincher, of course, is uh, like a he's an um, idol. Yeah. <laughs> Fight a, Club, um, one of my favorite yeah, films. <laughs> also, it's kind of he 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 do things so like almost clinical. It's so well taught and very precise and very like almost like um surgery in a way so it's um yeah, yeah. I, I think i remember I, I think i saw his film so- zodiac right or yeah. zodiac was really uh, i remember i saw this shot 
um, as you say, everything he does is precise. And like, it was a shot uh, over, it was, like, it was a god shot on a car driving on a road. And it's following the, 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 the car, so it's sort of like perfectly driving a line. And I was like, oh my God, that's, that's the most sexy yeah. thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> 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 but it, it, but he, he does something very special there. So, but you can sort of see the same, at least a, a bit like mood board, like the color scheme in your films, like especially in, a, in an affair, like you have this sort of very coldish colors. It's very, you feel at ease, on ease all the time during the film. Is that mm-hmm. something you plan for, like to that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we want to, to make the all the all the you know the atmosphere feel feel like uh, feel cold and, and and empty in a way, like uh, not welcoming. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So, also, it's shot digital, and uh, the digital look of it is also you know it's cleaner than you know obviously than than thirty five mil. So it, it also felt the right choice for that film to mm. to make it yeah. clean also yeah yeah what about when you guys go for like you know when you let's say you know you're planning another film uh film or or post production or just production i guess generally uh when it comes to working with your brother or i guess do you have any other uh you know go-to persons that you work with how do you guys like go you know let's say you want to make a film do you just instantly go to your brother or is it like do you do you or have you you know had another dop or whatever yeah but no i i always work with Oscar, but there will be times that I work with other people, but usually, and he's getting better and better, and I myself hopefully is getting better and better. Mm-hmm. So we, mm-hmm. we work together as, and it's working perfectly in a way. But also, apart from my brother as a DOP, I, I work with mostly the same people behind camera. So for me, my, my first um, the assistant, what's it called? Directors uh, in English, first AD, first, first, first AD. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> sorry. Uh, Katinka <laughs> is her name. Yeah, she also worked on an affair. She's a very good uh, first AD, and she's mm-hmm. very important for me. As yeah, as you know, she's running the running the set. So, and also she's a good partner in crime when it comes to the the pre production and everything. So, and mm-hmm. you know, I I think I've worked with her. For all of my films since 2015, so so mm. she's a very important collaborator. Mm. Uh, also, the Dalfrotekon, the editor, and uh, you know the, the sound designer. So you, I, mm. I, I'm lucky that I fi- fi- found people that I can you know grow and continue to work with for for many films. Mm. Yeah. Mm. How do you how do you, you know, like I mean yeah how do you find these people? Uh, is it is it you know <laughs> different? Is it different places? Every single person? Is it like you know one new? Or is it just completely? Just at the test. Uh, for, uh, when it comes to Katinka, I have met her at the short film festival in Grimstad, uh, and then I, at first I, I think she was she, uh, she was a bit too what can I say too harsh or too strict. She felt a, a bit too too much for my taste. <laughs> but mm-hmm. when I started to work with her, she was perfect. So so we have this you know first impression that oh my oh she's a bit too much or something, but. Then she, you know, understand who she really is, or so. So, yeah. you know, you find people, and be that I, I met him for Cave Two, and he wanted to do that, and then the film got cancelled, and then I asked him to do Going West. Yeah, it was, and then he did an affair. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you know, you meet, you meet people. <laughs> <laughs> what is your um, what is sort of your your uh, workflow like? From uh, do you 
usually start by writing the script on on a basis of like a conversation or something you've always wanted to do or is it sort of like like how do, how do you come up with a film basically and go ahead to get the green lighting for it and then produce, finally producing it i get the idea for a film and then i just think about it for maybe one or two years before yeah. i s- start to write anything so if it stays with me for that amount of time it's a good enough project to work with so then i start to I maybe start just write short synopsis and then I go straight to to the first draft. I don't do any treatments for my films mm. I don't think that because everything yeah. is my in my head. So I just write the first draft. And then I spend like six intense months to do the you know all the 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 drafts, all the you know all the rewrites and stuff while I'm financing and while I'm doing like. Uh, concepts and then working on visuals and all that stuff and mm-hmm. uh, casting and location scouting and blah 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 so but when i when i decide to do a movie and if it's not too expensive i know i can make it because i know the people that can give me the money you know, to <laughs> do for the last and that might seem a bit um, too easy but i know i made six or seven movies you have kind of a standing that you the distributors and the financiers know that you can make this so if they like the project they are going to give me the money i need to make it because they're so cheap Mm -hmm. that's a good thing because i know i'm going to make it and that's so much better to work on a thing day and night when (laughs) when you're going to make it in the end yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Is there like complete freedom when it comes to delivering your idea, or is there any say by studios at all, like where they tell you, no, nah, maybe I don't like this, or like how is it quite free to? Yeah, yeah, it is yeah. because I'm. But that I think that's because I'm, I'm making. Usually, I'm making uh, genre movies, so because I'm making like a thriller or horror movie or a comedy. Mm-hmm. It's easier for the studios to to understand what I'm making, and they're easier for them to sell it in the end. So, so yeah. that makes it more more. If I if I only if I only had done like dramas, it was I, I think it would be more tricky to 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 finance it. So right right. Um, and also they are quite cheap, as I said. So it's easier to. I don't need that many financiers to get a green light. Mm. Do you have any like recommendations for which financiers we should we should you know apply to? Do you, do you have any that you go to? <laughs> in Norway at least or in Scandinavia or the Nordic countries you, you need to work with some of the big ones and that's SF Studios and Nordisk Film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I'm lucky to to have done some films with both of them or both parts in a way. So they know me and you know it's easier for me to just go yeah. to the yeah the acquisitions and just say i want to do this what do you think about it should we do it you know mm. so but you know you know you need to like make some films or at least convince them that you are yeah. capable of doing it or making mm, it happen yeah. mm. that's good that's so good that trust that they've got between you and him uh, you and the uh, studios yeah yeah, it's it must there, be nice. It's, it's not that common in Norway, at least, because mm. um, most people have to go to Norwegian Film Institute to get money, and mm. they are the main, you know, main fund in the film. So I can make films without the, you know, money from the Norwegian Film Institute, and I think that's a good thing. Mm. Yeah. Like uh, your first film, uh, like the first major film, you got sort of uh, a budget, and like the first feature film, uh, what, Returning Home. How was it like to sort of get funding for that, uh, being a newcomer? Like then, so uh, how how was that? 
That was tricky, but the film was very, very cheap. We made it for like between one, one and a half million, I think, Norwegian mm-hmm. kroner. So um, it was like a short film budget. And as mm-hmm. I said, we shot it in thir- 13 days. So it was, um, and we got uh, 35 mil equipment for free because I, oh. you know, I, I knew the, the rental house. So they said, mm-hmm. okay, we want to help you. And it's all, it's all, nice. it's all three weeks. So it's good. It's in summer. Okay, good. Or in autumn it is, but it's mm. nobody used that that equipment at that time, you know. And because thirty-five mil is kind of, you know, not that. <laughs> so yeah. So and, and we got some regional funding because we shot everything in my region, as the region I, I came I come from. So we got I think five hundred thousand from them. So yeah. Mm. And mm. I spent some money on it. So yeah. Is it sort of like the sort of same institution as Filmcraft? Filmcraft, or is it like sort of like the uh... It's the same kind of thing. It is. Was it called Film Tre? Film at that time, and now it's called Film Invest. Another thing I want to ask you, like, how was it to have your fur, like your fur film for the first time in the cinemas? Like, how was that? Was it like sort of like a cool conversation? Hey, mom, I'm, my film is in the cinemas now. You proud of me? Or like, how do you? <laughs> that was great. That was, yeah, that was super cool. I must say. Yeah. No, it's a bit. <laughs> no, I just don't think about it anymore. That's a bit sad because it was a good thing that oh. This film is now screening in 80 cinemas across the country, and that's yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. How do you how how is that process? You know, do you do you just call uh, you know one institution and they kind of ask the cinemas? So like, how do, how does that work to get your f- a film out in cinemas to like yeah, distributor the they call the cinemas or they screen this this the they screen the the film for the cinemas and they choose whether they want to screen it or not. And if it's too as my first film returning home is quite you know it's a small movie. So everybody didn't want to, or didn't have the space to to screen it because they only have one mm. or two screens at that cinema. So, but 80, 80 cinemas is quite good for a small film like that. So, <laughs> uh, but it, yeah, they they usually screen if you have a distributor, they are going to screen it, but it might be like less cinemas and it might be fewer screens. And you know, for my last film, the a Christmas movie that uh, premiered in in November, it's. It was it had the screen at every cinema in in Norway, so, so mm. it depends on the movie in a way. Mm. That's awesome. What about like how get how how do you, how do you get your film out on Netflix? Um, How's the process there? That's a good question. I'm I <laughs> actually SF uh, Studios, the distributor. They they are handling all the sales abroad, and you know, so they. Mm. They then they know Netflix, so they, I think they sent. Of course, they sent the movie to Netflix, and they said, "Okay, we want to buy this." So they are handling all, all that. So yeah. Okay, how is it with like you know what do you mean like buying? I mean the rights to, to play it, or like do you get any of that money? How does that work? Yeah, I get some. I haven't got the royalty, the, like the, the the royalty statement yet, but uh, mm-hmm. they sold it um, before you know in October or something. Uh, but um. They are doing all the this, this the sales work and just they will just report to me. I mean, it's it's that's just pretty cool. Just you know, having having your film on Netflix, biggest platform. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, how how was like friends and sort of like family sort of treated you uh, once you sort of became? Um, <laughs> I wanted to say the word hotshot, but sort of like it's sort of up and coming. Uh, uh, Almost like a celebrity in a sense. Like, uh, are like people recognizing you and stuff like that? Or like, did you did you have like any distant family members coming a bit closer now now that you're uh, <laughs> sort of up and going there? <laughs> no, no, people are like, like before, but I think 
I don't think people recognize me or in, maybe in Hama because the, the local newspaper is writing a lot of, you know, all everything about the thing we're doing all the time, I feel. feel. So <laughs> but they, I, I, you know, I get recognized in Hama, but that's a small town and that's just nice. But uh, my family is the same, you know, they're down to earth and they yeah. wanted me to do something else. My parents are like, my mother is a nurse, my father is working with insurance. So they wanted me to do something smart or something, you know. Safe. Sensitive. Safe. Yeah. So, so they didn't like that I, you know, wanted to do this. But the, after some years, they understood that okay, he can make this, and she, he's, he's making some good movies. We like this, and so they now they're sharing and you know, following me and my brother. But uh, my friends, I think they're my biggest fans, and that's very nice that they nice. support me and they come to my premieres and they watch the rough cuts and they, you know. Yeah, it's usually where it starts, you know, it's it's same with us, you know, it's it's for now, at least, you know, it's always just showing it you're making, you know, uh, when we have some small projects at home here, it's it's usually, you know, we make it for our friends and, and you know, they love to see it. And, you know, it's just it's gets bigger and bigger. Yeah, that's yeah. The, that's how I started out, you know, screening the films for my friends and then it you know, slowly becomes bigger and bigger. Mm. But it's sort of like a device for like other other young uh, aspiring filmmakers out there, like for um, like, <laughs> like our friend Jacob here, or uh, just like others who might be interested in getting into the business. Like, mm. you can you need to find your way, and you need to find um, what you want to do. Like, you, I've always made films that I really want to do, and that's mm -hmm. a good thing that I find. I'm, I'm lucky to find projects that i really want to do and i think you you make your best work when you you are happy and when you are making at least you know as a director you need you need to stay in that process for many years you know from from the the, the you know development the pre-production throughout the, the the whole release of it so you need you really need to 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 fall in love with a project. And if you don't do that, you just don't want to do it. So um, that's yeah. important to find what, do you, what kind of movies or stories do you want to tell and how do you want to tell it in the best way? So it's find your style, find your voice in a way and follow your heart and your gut and not your brain, I think. <laughs> So now that the uh, I'm, get, I'm I'm assuming you're working on a on a new film now, uh, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so how's like how's that is like ha, it's like the budget bigger, is everything bigger and better now this time around when uh, after uh, an affair or yeah, maybe yeah, it's bigger. I think uh, we are. I'm I'm currently doing sound mixing on a on a new project called Project C. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's oh. a zombie movie, but it's a, not a zombie movie in a way like um, you're used to see it. It's uh, right. like a horror comedy. So we have this satire kind of thing, like uh, like this view on the on the world we're living uh, living in, and also there's a kind of meta vibe to it because everything is shot within the universe of the film. So it's a found footage movie. And you also mm -hmm. have a film within the film, and you have another film within that film. Mm -hmm. So it's, Whoa, it's okay. kind of a crazy project, actually. And it's, <laughs> at, and it's the most uh, fun thing I've made, I think. It's just very entertaining. And um, and uh, yeah. And yeah. I'm finalizing that now or completing that now. And we are also editing another film called Possession, which uh, we shot in Røros. It's a town in Norway this autumn. Mm -hmm. And I think that might be my best work, or it should be my best work until now. But I feel. 
like it's an it's an it's a step up in for in terms of of uh, ambition and visuals. It's it's a very strong and epic movie, and it's a, it's a yeah, it's great working on that. Right, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Is the zombie film a satire on uh, coronavirus a little bit? <laughs> I don't know because we've made it before Corona, but it it has mm. this actually it 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 get, get more it gets more like um, relevant these days actually. Yeah. Uh, just a question, like uh, regarding Corona, um, how, has that infected like the industry in a sense? Like people are not going to cinemas anymore. So, like, are you guys still making sort of a revenue from films, or uh, how is that working? It's and also like on on uh, on production phases as well. Yeah, well, it's difficult. It's and it's also I think the most difficult thing is all the um, it's everything is so um, up in the air in a way in terms of the cinemas and feature film i think yeah uh, tv dramas are stronger stronger than ever but uh also because of the covid uh situation but feature films is is more like it's it's um it's more tricky because of the mm. cinema and i as a like um vocal support i almost said like a, i really like feature films and i really like like um making them so so i'm hoping that people go back to cinemas when the pandemic is like under control and i think that because this the movie going experience in the cinema is something special for yeah, many people yeah. i hope and i think so but maybe i think we are going to see less smaller films in the cinemas and more bigger films mm. and that might be a bad thing or it might be a good thing and maybe the smaller films needs to find another platform to to screen maybe smaller films should be more like or at, at least hbo is making like you know films for their platform and i hope netflix and all other continue to make not only like horror films or like these easy sales film but it's but also more drama and 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 that you know netflix made roma and they made the irishman and you know they're also mm. making more um mm. you know ambitious dramas so it's a uh, yeah. it's going to change in terms of the cinemas but I, I think they're going to survive in the end mm. right, right. it's a so what is your sort of like dream now is it sort of to make it more internationally or you want to sort of uh, just sort of yeah what is that like do you think I want to make uh, bigger films in terms of having more uh, money bigger <laughs> 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 uh, budgets because I'm a bit tired of doing everything myself not everything but I Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm also producing and I'm doing the scouting and I'm doing a lot of things myself and and that's that's been a good thing because it made me a bet, better director I think a better filmmaker but uh, it would be good to have some more money to to make because to make some bigger films um, mm -hmm. yeah so 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 in terms of the international thing yeah I can make films for the English market or at least you know English speaking films but I want to to make film most important thing for me is to make films that feels um you know special and dear to me so so it has to be on my parents yeah. yeah what is your sort of like take on we were speaking about netflix and sort of like the the growing sort of internet market instead of like cinemas and stuff like that you see that as sort of like you said it was sort of like a mixture of a good and a bad thing but i uh, are you sort of scared that cinemas might die out yeah i'm scared but um, i don't think that i think maybe there's fewer cinemas uh, but may, i think and the, i think the cinema as a, like a 
as a experience is going to survive in some mm-hmm. way. Uh, I think so because um, most people like to go out of their you know living room. Not <laughs> we can't sit inside all the time, so we can go to the theaters, we can go to a concert, and we can go to the cinema, and that's that's a good thing. Yeah. And I think we're going to to continue to do that. But I think I think that they are going to be more picky in their choices. So the 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 you know the film you're seeing, you you know, you have to be so it has to be bigger or at least not bigger in terms of you know the scope of it but it has to be like a, a, an experience and you have to you know because it's a quite, quite expensive to go to the cinema so it, we as filmmakers need to know our audience and know that they're going to see it in a way yeah yeah are there like any productions you know let's say like film series or anything um or like big movies that you've kind of you know been eager to, to to join on a production in the future you know it's star wars or you know fast and furious or something are there any like films that you said oh that would be cool to work work on or or you know a, a specific director or, or, a, or a dop or something have you any dreams if i had to choose maybe uh it was so big budgets it would be like a james bond movie Uh, I think that's the ultimate franchise because it's the oldest franchise, obviously, but also because it's, you know, you're traveling all the world, you can do everything or anything as a filmmaker. Uh, It's kind of, it's limitless. And I also think that the series is kind of evolving as it goes in a good way. Like it's it's always changing as the society or the, you know, the the world is changing and that's a good thing. So it's... um, I would love to love to do that in the, but maybe you know then I, if I'm going to do a, do a bond movie I need to make more like action movies to or at least you know to prove that I'm capable of doing that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Are there any films you'd wish you'd made like uh like pop fiction for instance I was like oh dang I wish I had done that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah there's many but you know Goodfellas is one of my favorite films but oh, I can so do that good. because I don't know that part, you know, that, you know, the, the mob part. I haven't, I think if you're mm-hmm. going to do a film like Goodfellas, you need to grow up in that society and that, you know, that mm-hmm. milieu. So I, I couldn't do that. So um, maybe Silence of the Lamps. Yeah. Or Seven, uh, because that, that could be like, that's something that I could have done like in Norway or like in a smaller town in Norway. That's, you know, yeah. I'm from, so... So not mm. you know, you have to find project that kind of uh, seem familiar that you can you can tell this story, know these characters, you know this this you know this place. Yeah, that's important I think for a filmmaker mm. that you can relate to to that part of it. Mm-hmm. What would you say is like your favorite film of all time? Is that Goodfellas or? Yeah, it's 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 Goodfellas. Uh, it must be um, I think it's a per- not a perfect movie it's almost perfect movie 99 mm. perfect it's uh, uh, one one thing is you know it, of course the story is, is very interesting itself but also the way Scorsese told the story and yeah. how he used all the you know the tools in the toolbox as a filmmaker you know it's it's a very it's a very well told movie we spoke a little bit about, about Netflix and sort of like do you like the idea of having sort of cinema sort of becoming TV in a sense like you see like these TV, big TV shows like uh, Stranger Things and House of Cards and all of these shows and sort of how they're sort of they're very cinematically produced and shot in mm-hmm. a sense that is that 
a growing market you would like to go, go into? Like, because I know there's a mixture that people say, like you get to know the characters even more uh, yeah. for sure. Or, or do you like the thing about a, a film? Like you watch it and then you're done. You don't need to see it for like 10 seasons. Yeah, I, I, I like that because uh, of course, I, I, you know, the TV series, the TV drama is it's, it's very interesting and it's obviously something that's, that's interesting to do, but it's, it's another format and it's another, I think the, 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 most, um, the most perfect kind of uh, way to, to, um explore to to um to view a story is like it's the 90 minute film because you you sit or 100 minute or 107 or 120 minutes but it's it's you're sitting there for that amount of time and you're invested in that story and then it ends and then they go you know go on with their life because if you want if you if you're if you're seeing a tv series in like 10 episodes if you don't binge watch it, you, you're not going to stay for it. Like th- there, you know, you have you have these all these breaks, so mm-hmm. it's something special when you you know see a story. You're investing that for that amount of time, and all, and then it ends. You know, that's a good thing. I think so. So it's a it's a perfect format. Uh, I think the feature film because there's films like that for me where it's like Interstellar or something where you watch it once and it, you just walk away thinking what just happened, yeah. <laughs> and you just, it just stays with you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's important to get that from, from TV <laughs> as well, but it's something different, I think. Mm. Uh, as you said, it's it's you know in terms of character development and and all that, it's it's of course TV series is a very interesting or and good format for that part. You know, who is your uh, dream actor you want to work with? I feel that I'm always I'm almost I've like worked every Norwegian actor now, but. It, uh, <laughs> Norway, maybe Maria Bonnevi. Mm-hmm. I want to work with her. I think she's really good. And I'm a huge fan of Daniel Day Lewis, but he's like retired now, so that would be impossible, oh. I think. Uh, <laughs> and also, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Kate Blanchett, Jack in Phoenix. I was a huge fan of Philip Seymour Hoffman. He's, you know, mm. deceased, you know. Mm. Uh, um, nice. Jonas, maybe. Don't, yeah, Norwegian actor. Yeah. And when it comes to choosing actors, is it necessary in terms of like how you write the script and dialogue? Like, do you go, okay, I know this actor and the way they sound. Now I'm going to write a character based on that. Actually, I usually cast all the roles or most of the roles before I start to write the script. So, mm. or at least I'm writing it. So I know which actor is going to say those lines. So mm. yes, I, I, I write the, the dialogue for specific actors. Mm. And also, kind of, I create the characters so they kind of, you know, work for that specific actors. Yeah. And that's a good, most people don't write for specific actors, of course, but uh, mm. when I'm also directing myself, I can do, you know, I can do that because, or I'm also producing mostly, so then I can do it to make that show, choice at a very early, uh, early stage. And uh, I think that's, and also I can use the actors while making the or writing the script i can do like you know can we can do readings and we can discuss the characters and and that helps me write the screenplay in the best possible way awesome there was a sort of thing thing we talked about a while back was just how uh it was like this period when uh, the norwegian films like uh the wave of bergen and uh, shelva and, and and those films were sort of coming out i was sort of thinking to myself I, w- I was a bit scared at that point that norway was just going to try and copy a lot more american films 
and then we're going to try to sort of copy uh like the like the, the huge disaster movies like 2012 and like los angeles and, and all these films just making a a bit like poor version of that like what is your sort of take on, on those types of films like because uh, you i feel like you your style is like you're very personally committed to the films mm-hmm. uh in, in terms of story like do you think um i mean I'm, now i've done too much research so the director of the of the, of the wave and the end of they might have experienced something like that on a very personal level or something but uh but um what is your take on like a lot of norwegian uh, sort of uh films covering the, those subjects I think, for my part, and it's easy for me to say this, I guess, but it's I think it's it's um, it's dangerous that we tend to make more films that are uh, based on true events and mostly like from the World War Two, or we make movies about or based on books or remakes of movies we made like twenty years ago, or we make some very small dramas that, sadly nobody sees in the cinemas because they're great movies or not all of them but there's <laughs> many small great dramas made in Norway but only 20,000 people go to see them or 10,000 people go to see them in the cinemas and that's that's not healthy so for my you know my last the film I'm editing now Possession it's it's a film placed in 1918 during the Spanish flu mm-hmm. but it's and it's but it's not based on true events or a book or anything. It's 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 from my you know imagination. I wrote mm-hmm. all, the, all the characters is is made or on the play in the place itself. It's 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 something I wrote myself. And I think it's important that we in Norway also make films that's that's not based on anything else. That's uh, that's uh, you know like uh, it is what it is. Like you know all the films by not all of the films but most films by P.T. Anderson or Quentin Tarantino is something they wrote from their, the top of the head. They place it in time maybe, but there, yeah. it's from them. And that mm-hmm. we, there's maybe, there's very few people in Norway that do that. And I think mm-hmm. that's very important to keep that alive. That specific story is something made for that specific, specific film without mm-hmm. any, you know, all the, you know, based on that and that, because that's just, a, that's, that, that's just a way to make it easier to sell the film for yeah. the and producers it makes uh film industry or norwegian film industry more poorer in a way so yeah mm. yeah because because a lot of people tend to do the quicker and sort of the more profitable route of just making like because a lot of people want to see like a disaster movie with like christopher Euner uh, and stuff like that um but to me it's it is very sad that people will choose sort of those like i'm not saying because like those films are probably fun to see and and they're good well-made films but I think I think a lot of people will tend to, as you say, like take the quicker route in a sense, and just like uh, forget the story. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, I'm interested to know about possession though. This uh, so it's set in the Spanish flu. Is it? Uh, what sort of film is it going to be? Or are you allowed to talk about it? Or <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. it's it's set during the Spanish flu at the uh, flu at the end of World War One or the Great War, yeah. as it. As it was called at the time, <laughs> um, and um, and it's also take, it's taking place in this small mining community because mining right. was a big thing in Norway at that point before the oil and everything. Hmm. So and it's all it's it's placed in the or it's set in the in the middle of Norway where we have this Sami. Is Sami in the oh yeah, Sami. Sami yeah, yeah. I never. <laughs> you have you have you know the north part of the Sami. 
culture it's it's based in the Finnmark mostly and, and Troms but also we have this mm. in the Sør Sami as they call it South Sami culture that's based mm. in the middle of Norway and and that's a big part of this this movie uh, so it's a right, it's right. kind of a, like the the, the 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 you know the take on it it's it's kind of like this the the, the white man who's 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 like um, what to call in English uh, not. <laughs> Respecting the natives, you know. Yeah. Uh, oh, I see. Okay. Is it uh, that sort of reminds me of a film called uh, The Pathfinder, Baby Sudden, the Norwegian Sami film, right? Yeah. But that's a, that's a much older film, and it's that's that's taking place within the Sami, like you different kind of um, um, what's it called? Is it, is it in Northern Sami? I think it's in like the year yeah. thousand or something, right? It's really yeah. much earlier. Yeah. That film was actually one of the few Norwegian films that was nominated for uh, an Oscar for Best Foreign Film. Yeah. Uh, are you are you sort of aiming at the same goal for for uh, your <laughs> new film now? <laughs> uh, we'll see about that. But it's it's kind of it's a kind of an epic uh, chronicle because we have all this. I think it's more. It's there's a lot of there obviously a main act or main character, but it's there's a lot of small roles uh, in the film that's very interesting to follow and we also have this Romeo and Juliet kind of uh, love triangle and that on that and we also have the like the there's um there's a, the fam- the main family in the film is is like the father is a missionary so he returns mm-hmm. to Madagascar uh, which uh, to his family in Norway to start like to build that church there so it's kind of the witch you have this you know you have seen the film the witch mm-hmm. uh, it has this some of this that vibe in a way because oh it's like a western kind of, of, sort of a little yeah, bit yeah yeah exactly that's cool uh, and also that this what's it calling it's the spiritism it's called in Norwegian but spiritualism I don't know maybe, yeah maybe <laughs> it was also at that time so and that's also a big thing in this movie yeah so it's, it's I know oh wow kind of, that's awesome. How do you yeah, do the research for that? Like, do you have you do you ask people? Do you go to the Sami people and say, "Tell us kind of, yeah, you know, how?" I, yeah, I think, you know, I've read a lot of books, and I've also been interested, always been interested in, in history. So I knew a lot of, you know, I read about the Spanish flu and everything, and also, but most I had to do, most of the research I had to do on the Sami culture and also the the mining community and how they, mm. you know, did all that. That's awesome. Yeah. Because someone who's not from Norway, like it's so refreshing to see films from like Norway or like any foreign films, because it's it's a different like viewpoint on like life, I guess. So it's it's yeah. really cool to to like hear about this and watch this. Yeah, I think I think it's it it feels very exotic also for for me as Norwegian because that mm. part it's a, it's almost it's a only the, the you know Røros, it's the only place in in Norway that has desert so it's kind of it's kind of oh. as you said there had this, this it has this western uh vibe to it, it it's a very That's awesome strange I love westerns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very and we did it on uh, we, we imported the lenses from from Prague they have this the hawk lenses advantage they have these hawk mm. lenses anamorphic and it was beautiful lenses and perfect for that movie so it's oh. kind of it's like you know it's like uh, painting huge paintings like this on this great canvas it's uh, yeah it's oh, wow. really good to do that oh yeah. man uh, nice, i'm nice. so i'm so looking forward to seeing yeah, that yeah i'm going to see that in the cinema <laughs> <laughs> we got to import it to you to say uh, yeah. back to london we got to take no, I'll, I'll, this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll fly over there 
<laughs> oh, well, that's awesome. Are you excited for it to, to final release and show people? Or yeah, I am. We, we are we are going to finish the movie around summer summer. But the the, the film premiere in Norway, it's the domestic premiere is, is not until February twenty twenty two. Oh wow! Then mm -hmm. we have to you know release it a bit a bit um, later because there's a lot of movies coming out in the autumn. So yeah. Oh. But I how think, is it? Sorry, sorry, sorry go or I hope at least it will have an international premiere before that. So maybe at the EFI, you know, maybe. Mm, <laughs> That'd be nice. cool. We'll, we'll yeah. see you there. <laughs> yeah. uh, how is it sort of like to wait that long? Like you, so you, you shot the film, right? Like, how, does it feel like really irritating to have it sitting on your lap for so long and sort of not being able to sort of screen it? Or is it, yeah. or is it like fine because you start working on other things while you? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Actually, it's fine because I'm used to it, and I'm, I'm also, you know, it's the name of the game. You have to do that, those choices, to find the the right release for that film. It's, it's very important. So maybe it will, will have a like an international life, you know, before that on festivals and stuff, and then it will premiere in, in, in Norway at, in the end. And that's, a, you know, that's maybe that's the right route for that film. Mm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, what is the next subject you want to cover now? So you've covered uh, Western. What's the, what's the next thing? Is it, do you are you? Is there any Viking films in the making now as well? Like since you were in Norway, make a Viking film uh, in some years, but uh, that's more expensive. So I need more money to do that in a proper way. But mm -hmm. uh, I'm working on two projects. Uh, one of them is is a secret project. So I can't talk about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I know that's silly, but it, I had, you know, that's... You, know. you can tell us no one listens to this podcast, don't worry. Yeah, okay. right. <laughs> <laughs> zero, zero listeners. And I want to make... Uh, I'm working on this... Uh, actually, this World War II movie. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, it's not, but it's not a hero, you know, this not this hero's story. It's... it's uh, it's about something completely different. Uh, it's a yeah. different part, take on it, and and it and it um, picks the you know the, the Nazi called in Norwegian, you know the, the you know the NS Norway, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. The last it's called Eighth of May, which is which is the the Eighth of May, yeah, which is the you know the Liberation Day in Norway. Mm -hmm. uh, it's about the, the the three last days because it's a very I mean, it's a long pitch, but it's it's a very it has it was the last stand for the Nazis in the whole world actually at one farm outside Oslo. Is it, is it is it sort of reflecting around the time period as like uh, another great film about that is like Der uh, Untergang, which uh, follows uh, uh, Hitler's like last final days. Is it like sort of seeing the entire German Empire sort of just collapsing and stuff like people like soldiers in Norway like what. What the f do we do now? Yeah, I mean, yeah. but it's it's much smaller in scope. Oh, well, that's gonna be great. Is your number one tip sort of like for um, even for us because we are also like film students. But we didn't like go your fancy uh, independent route uh, though. But uh, like, is your sort of tip just to sort of make films and just sort of like see where you can go with it, or uh, what do you? What is like your if you want to have like a career in in film? Like, what is your sort of tips for us? <laughs> well. Not anyone or not anybody in the business can be like directors. So we need to mm -hmm. find okay, what is the thing I'm best at and find out, you know, what do you really want to do? And maybe you're the perfect scriptwriter. Maybe you're the, you know, maybe you're, you know, the 
an editor maybe also because it for most people some some like oh i want to be a director and then they discover oh oh, i like editing better so maybe that's more for me so you need to Mm -hmm. find your space in that you know the business so um and some start out you know like doing like a cinematographer or they start out editing films and then they start direct at a later point and that's also you know a way to go so find your you know find your space within that business and and i think for at least for a director you need to find the stories you want to tell that's um, that's the bottom line line i think Well, thank you so much. Um, I think actually we're done. I think we've been here for over, over an hour and a half almost. Yeah. Oh, wow, <laughs> it's been it's been a while now. Um, Henrik, it was amazing to have you here. It was really fun. It was a uh, very sort of fun to finally sort of because we sit on our asses all day and talk about films and discuss things. <laughs> At least like during the times of COVID, it's, it's so it's so it's so much fun to actually get the opportunity to actually talk with the director who made the film. So we just yeah. like because now we can confirm with our own like theories and stuff like that. Yeah, like, oh, yeah that's true. That that is what he actually meant. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I actually really wanted fun. to say something about the ending yeah. of the film. Yeah. Glad you liked it. It was. Uh, I haven't talked about that film in some time, so it was good talking to you about it. <laughs> yeah. Henrik, have you mentioned uh, Scorsese? I think Scorsese might have taken a note from your ending in uh, The Irishman. Like the way it ends, it reminded me exactly the way it kind of ends with Irishman, where it just ends. Maybe watched uh, End Affair. It might be. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, hey, yeah. So that was that was dope. This guy. <laughs> uh, but yeah thank you so much again uh, from uh, the bottom of all our hearts it was amazing mm-hmm. uh, we're going to continue to watch out for every film that you ever make again so yes uh, <laughs> we'll be stalking you like Marcus wants now <laughs> <laughs> good luck with all the studies and the other way thank you, you know, in, uh, or inside or into this business it's uh, thank you mm-hmm. thanks <laughs> thank you so much thank you so much we hope to work uh, with you, you someday hopefully <laughs> hopefully we'll see you on the, on the Oscars <laughs> alright yeah. see you later thank you so much again bye bye thank you <laughs>